the Spirit of God lives in you. He is actually moved in. He, he, he dwells in you. You say, well, how can he dwell in me and then dwell in, in, uh, in somebody else? Because he's God. He's omnipresent. He can be in every believer, everywhere, and every when. And he dwells in you. And he empowers you. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Y'all are not listening fast enough today because I've got, I'm just through one sheet, I've got two. So what else does the Holy Spirit do? He said he, he can convicts us of sin, he converts us, he gives us a new birth, he baptizes us into Christ, he dwells in us, and then he seals us. He puts God's seal, God's stamp of mine forever on us. And you can see this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In him our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. To the praise of his glory. When God saved me. See all this happened. When I was saved. I was convicted. Converted. Baptized. Indwelt. And sealed by the Holy Spirit. All as part of the eternal work. Of God's spirit. To carry out God's plan. That's exciting to me. Well at least smile. Okay, all right, yeah, it's exciting. Now, what is the internal work? Well, for one thing, assurance. People ask me a lot, how can I know for sure that I'm really a Christian? Have you ever wondered that? How can I know for sure? Because you hear us preachers preach about people standing up at Judgment Day and suddenly being told, depart from me, I never knew you, and that scares some people. And it should scare some people. And people ask me the question, well, well, how can I know for sure? And there's more than one answer. There's several other answers. But one of the answers is in Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. God himself tells us the Spirit of God himself says, you're mine. You're mine. When I was a little boy, I wondered if my parents were really my parents. And I asked my mother, are you really my mother? She said, yes, I'm really your mother. Don't be silly. And, uh, but I couldn't get over it. And I kept asking her, are you really my mother? And then, then I said, well, what about, is daddy really my daddy? That really made her man. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, any different back then. But I just worried about it. I just wondered if I really was the son of Raymond and Mabel Harris. And then one day I was with my grandmother, my precious, wonderful grandmother, and I said to her, I said, Memo, I've been wondering, is mother and daddy really my mother and daddy? And she didn't scold me. She didn't say, don't be silly. She said, yeah. That's a great question, she said. And I can tell you, I can show you that they are. And she took out of an old trunk there, she took a, what was a birth certificate. 
I don't know why she had it instead of my mother, but she, she said, look here. Here is an official document that says Raymond Harris, Mabel Harris, the mother of Nikki Charles Harris. That's you. I said, well, that's, that's pretty good. It's written down. Did you know that that's one reason God gave us the Holy Scriptures? It is a written record of our birth certificate. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Did you call on the name of the Lord? Yeah, well, then you're saved. But she said, I have something even better than that. She said, do you know that I was there when you were born? I actually participated in the birth. She said, your mother had a really, really hard time for several, really for a couple of days. And she said, I was present and I helped you be born. So she said, I know who your mother is. And I'm, she didn't use these words, but she said, I'm bearing witness. So I don't remember what words she did use, but I, I'm telling you for sure that I was there when you were born. Do you know what the Holy Spirit says when I doubt and wonder, am I really saved? The Holy Spirit says, not only do you have a written record of it, I was there. I actually was the agent that brought about your birth. So I can testify you are God's child. My grandmother did show me one other thing. She showed me a picture of my daddy as a little boy. She said, who's this? I said, I don't know. I said, it looks like me. She said, yeah. But it's not you, it's your daddy. And said, as you get older, you're going to look more and more like him. And I did, by the way. And one other evidence that I know I'm a child of God is that I have the character of my heavenly father being developed in me. Well, that's another whole sermon. So, so the Holy Spirit assures us. He also teaches us. I'm going to go quicker. John 14, 27, I mean, John 16, 13. I think this is the right one. John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, that is the Holy Spirit, He will guide you into truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, he was talking here to his disciples, but it's also true for us. And just to show you that it's true for us, look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. By the way, there's lots of other verses along this. It talks about an anointing, but the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you, about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you abide in him. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. I don't know if you've ever read a book and you're a little confused about some elements of the book and you think, I sure would like to talk to the author. Has that ever happened to you? When I was in high school, we had a, 
we had to read a book called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. And uh, some of you are nodding. You, you've read that book. And it's about this seagull that could fly faster than any other bird. And, 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 and he kept breaking sound barriers, kept flying faster and faster. And each time he would elevate to a different level and so forth. And I read that book and I just, I was confused. And I thought, man, I would love to sit down with the author and just ask him, What's the meaning in that book? And one day I actually heard him interviewed on a television show because there was people all over the country were coming up with all kinds of weird ideas of what he was trying to say. And this interviewer asked him, what's, what's the, what was your hidden message in that book? He said, well, there really wasn't any hidden message. I was just writing about a bird that wanted to fly faster and faster and faster. And I, I didn't have any... And I thought, well, that answered that question. But, but I thought, man, if I could just talk to the author. You remember who we said wrote the Bible? It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that inspired the Scripture. You remember who we said lives in you? The Holy Spirit. So when you read a verse in the Bible and you say, boy, I don't know what that means. Well, ask him. He wrote it. And he lives in you. And he can instruct you and help you understand it. Well, then empowering is the next thing. Empowering. You will receive power. Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. He gives us power. Ephesians 5, 18. The first half of this is the favorite Baptist verse in the Bible. But the last half, the Baptists almost are scared of. The first half says, do not get drunk with wine. Now, we love that part, don't we? Well, a lot of Baptists have stopped even caring about that part. But the last part says, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be full of spirits but be filled with the spirit and that being filled with the spirit means being under his control being empowered strengthened to do what to jump three rows i don't think that's why he wants us to be filled with the spirit to roll around on the floor to bark to to pass out no he said you'll receive power to be witnesses unto me. That's the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Is to be a witness to Christ. I, I probably do need to say something here about speaking in tongues. People ask me, I just so often, people ask me uh, about speaking in tongues. Have I ever spoken in tongues? And I said, well, I, no, not, not the way you're talking about, not 1 Corinthians kind of tongues where a person just kind of loses control of their own vocal ability and their own language and they just begin to speak in, in a, an unintelligible. 
actually an unintelligible language, just speaking in, uh, uh, some people call it gibberish, but other people just call it a, a heavenly language or something like that. And I have many friends who have done that. Some of you may have done that. And so there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's, there's nothing uniquely Christian about it. Muslims also speak in tongues. And Hindus also speak in tongues. And Native American tribal religious groups also speak in tongues. So speaking in tongues is a, an emotional, verbal response to being so filled with excitement that just this language comes out. But if you're a Christian and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you begin to speak in tongues, I'd say that's, that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The Apostle Paul in dealing with this whole issue of, of this kind of tongues, Corinthian kind of tongues, he said, uh, not everybody speaks in tongues, but some do. And he said, if, if a person speaks in tongues, he edifies himself. He doesn't edify the body. And all the spiritual gifts are designed primarily to edify the whole body. So speaking in tongues is kind of a, a self edifying thing but there's nothing wrong with being blessed being blessed by you in, in yourself so if somebody speaks in tongues and they said you know when I pray and, and I get to pray and earnestly I just this language comes out and I say well is it a blessing to you yeah yeah I feel close to God and I said well then that's good Go for it. But don't somehow or another think that because you do that, that you're a better Christian or in a higher level category of Christian than anybody else. Don't, don't think that everybody has to do that or they're not as good a Christian as you are. In fact, again, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 really, really deals with this. So, I want any gift that God wants me to have. And quite frankly, my wife and I have prayed for the gift of tongues. But God ever has seen, has never given it to us. We were in a prayer meeting with some friends of ours, and we prayed and prayed and prayed for a long time. And they even tried to help us. But just nothing ever happened. And they were praying in tongues. They loved Jesus. So I said, well, that's, that's good. I, that, it's not a gift God wants me to have. Not at that time anyway. And he hadn't any other time. I see some question marks up above some heads right now. People wanting to ask some questions. Some of you are wondering whether I ought to be your pastor or not. But uh, no, the Bible makes it clear that if a person prays in tongues, that's, that's okay.
But it's not something that everybody should do or has to do. And it has nothing to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because we're all baptized by the Spirit into Christ when we're saved. So, uh, well, I do have three other things that I want to say. Gifting, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. He is generous, and he gives gifts to the church. And 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans chapter 12 and so many other passages talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And you're a gifted child, by the way. Every child of God has a gift. And oh, it's so wonderful to have a gift. Sometimes those gifts are absolutely vital to the health of a church. But they're, they're not toys to play with. And they're not weapons to fight with. They're tools to build with. And then there's fruitfulness. One of my favorite passages is in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Here's what happens to you when the Spirit of God is filling your life. He is like a gardener, but not only is he the gardener, he is the actual fruit of the garden. And here's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. He wants to produce this kind of fruit in your life. That's even more important in some ways than the, than the gifts of the Spirit. Well, I don't know how to say that. They're both are important. And then the last thing I would say, and this again, this is not exhaustive, but some of you are exhausted, uh, is praying. Are there times when you pray and you, you just feel like I don't know how to pray? Listen to Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And when somebody says to me, I pray, and I pray with words I don't understand, I pray with groanings and and that just come out, I say, then perhaps that's the Spirit of God praying through you with words that, are, that you can't utter, too deep for you to utter. Now, the Apostle Paul said, I'd rather speak ten words, I think he said, with my understanding than a thousand words in a tongue. So I would agree with that. I want my prayers. I want to know what I'm praying. But there are times I don't know how to pray. And the 
sometimes my deepest praying has just been weeping. I'm just groaning. I'm just crying. And the Spirit of God takes those tears, turns them into prayers. Now, if we were in a classroom now, I'd ask, are there any questions? And we'd be here the rest of the day. But uh, here's the important thing I want us to understand. God's Spirit has done a lot already in creation, incarnation, and so forth, inspiration. He has done something in you if you're a Christian. He convicted you, saved you, converted you, indwelt you. But he also wants to do some things in you personally, helping you understand the Word of God and empowering you to minister in the name of Christ and to help you pray, to give you gifts and to produce fruit in your life. So let's pray, and then we're going to ask the Spirit of God to fall fresh on us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I know there's much confusion. It's so strange to me that the three things that you intended to unite us, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and the Holy Spirit, are the three things that Christians have fought over more than anything else. Just how diabolical, how terrible of the devil to take the very things that you meant to unite us and use it to divide us. Help us never be divisive over these issues. But I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you will come fresh on us today. Empower us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week, and may the Lord richly bless you.